the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. Welcome to Hometown Crowd, episode 71. And it's with great, you know, a little bit of regret, but great rejoicing that next week, we, if everything lines up well, Tim, our, our beloved co-host, uh, will be back in the driver's seat. But with that being said, you're stuck with us three uh, for the duration of this episode. So, everybody, I'm Mac. Uh, As usual, I'm James, and I'm very sad that I'll be going away on on my own hiatus as Tim (laughs) comes back and never lets me come on the show again for my behavior while he was gone. But it was worth it. And I'm Heather, who's currently fanning herself with a cunt hand fan because it's hot here for some reason. The Pacific Northwest is in the midst of a prolonged. Uh, Listen, heat it wave. is it is a heat wave. Okay, it was seventy-seven degrees today. Okay, we James and died. I were talking. Listen, James and I were talking last night. We were like, "Man, we've turned into polar bears now. Like, <laughs> we can't ever go back to like North Carolina. Ever, we'll die. Well, we one, die. I I strongly advise against that. Okay, uh, don't come back here. This place. Sucks. We weren't going to. I mean, I mean, uh, is it? But I mean, North Carolina's swell. It's, it's neat. It's, we're getting off the rails, everybody. Uh, (laughs) Well, no, well, and I, I do mean it. That is what my fan says. Oh yes, it is. It's. I think it's classy. Thank you. It's it's elegant with a touch of trash, Heather. It's eleganza. Yeah. Eleganza. But but how are we doing, guys? How are we doing? I'm good. Very productive last couple days, continuing to work on my transition from an organization I've spent 20 years in um, and feeling very, very positive about my future employment opportunities. So yep. And then uh, we didn't record last week because dim babies were here for spring break. So I am. Still kind of riding the high of that and also looking forward to getting them over the summer. So I don't this time I don't have to wait as long in between to see them. So um, so, yeah, pretty excited about that. Pretty stoked. So, yeah, I mean, those are good things. Uh, I got my second covid shot um, and it has roundhouse kicked me into the ground. It's the, last the second one. That's what everyone says. The yeah. second one is the worst one. Yeah. It, I, it, get my, I get my first one on Sunday, so I'm very excited. And the theme and a, you know, and a theme for the episode, uh, it tombstone me into oblivion yesterday uh, and just gave me a stunner this morning. I feel a lot better now. Um, but let's, let's jump into this. Um, and topic one, 
which broke my heart a little bit. Julian Edelman retired. Um, and it, I cried a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but after sitting out 10 games last season, Edelman's knee didn't heal properly, and he failed his physical. So after the Patriots released him, Edelman called it a career. Edelman, a seventh-round draft pick in 2009 out of Kent State University, where he played quarterback. He was not a wide receiver. He played quarterback. Uh, he had an unlikely career arc. He would finish second all-time on the all-times Pats receiving list, fourth in receiving yards, and is second on the list all-time in the NFL for all uh, postseason receptions, only behind Jerry Rice. And then you count the three rings he won. Uh, but there's been a lot of talk on the social medias, uh, whether he is Hall of Fame worthy or not. So, what do you guys think? Does this man belong in the Hall of Fame? I will go first. I'll let you go the first. Most least educated about sports in general of anyone on this show. <laughs> um, so I did some some googling because that's what I do. As, uh, as James's want to do. Uh, as James's James's are notorious for their googling. Um, and I am going to go with no, and this is why. I'm going to lead with no. So, and if I'm wrong about any of this, by all means, hit us up on Facebook at Hometown Crowd, and you and I can argue about it. Or if you're really important, you can come on the show and we can argue about it. Yeah, um, yeah. So you better, you better have a hell of a pitch if you want on this. If exactly. You want this esteemed panel. Esteemed of panel. Yes. <laughs> so he it's has a, it's had a very rigorous application process. So. <laughs> he has had 620 career receptions which ranks 75th on the all-time list, just ahead of Jordy Nelson. I don't know who that is. That's just the, what the stat I saw. He's out of K-State. He plays for Green Bay, right? No, he, he spent most of his career at Green Bay, spent his last year in Oakland, and he's, okay. retired. he's retired now. Yeah, I just remember him when he went to K-State, because yeah. that's when I was there. His 6,822 yards ranks 156th, 156th, excuse me, just ahead of Larry Center's. And his 36 career receiving touchdowns have him off the charts. Somewhere after the 215th ranked patch, pass catches at 37. Now, before before you go on, you want to know who Larry Centers was? He sure. was a he was a running back. He wasn't even a wide receiver. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Played for the Cardinals when they were now, still the, the Phoenix Cardinals. Oh, I remember that. That was the first uh, football game I ever went to. Was Dallas Cowboys and the Phoenix Cardinals. In in Arizona, well, uh, and it was ninety nine point nine percent Dallas fans when you were there. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> That's why I was there. Um, so then people talk about playoffs, right? Yes, they're impressive. One hundred eighteen postseason catches, one thousand four hundred forty two receiving yards, ranked second only Jerry Rice, like you said. Um, the biggest thing, though, one one quote I saw that said Edelman's dominance when it mattered most should get him a gold jacket, according to former wide receiver Nate Burleson. But a lot of the other stuff I read was saying that just because you had a good postseason doesn't mean you can't be a great player or doesn't mean that you weren't a great player if you're not in the Hall of Fame. So, oh, here it is right here. You can have a great career, tweeted former Patriot Damian Woody, and not be a Hall of Famer. It's okay. So looking at his his stats, yeah, awesome in the postseason, but... Who took him to the postseason? Was he entirely responsible for that? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Um, 
I would say no, but I'm also very uninformed and know very little about this topic. So I will leave it to you two to make the final decision. <laughs> all right. What do you say, Heather? What do you say? All right. So let me get this going. All right. <laughs> the fan so- <laughs> came out, everybody. The fan came out. <laughs> <laughs> he always spit his drink out. I saw it. So these are my little nuggets of Julian Edelman that I found that I thought were very interesting. Did you know that he had no scholarships out of high school? None. Yes, I I did. Did you know that he only has one college catch for 11 yards? I did know that as well. Did not get a combine invite. No, he did not. Was also, as you've already mentioned, seventh round pick. And he has also been dubbed Brady's security blanket, which is not wrong. Yep. Uh, and basically what happened, it, it has been described, he has been described as the ultimate story in hard work and development, a college QB turned wide receiver with time spent at corner and punt returner. Mm-hmm. So the man is incredibly versatile for his position. Uh, I've actually been a fan of his since Super Bowl 51. When Atlanta blew their lead. Oh, yes. Yes. And he made and he made made the catch Mm -hmm. in that game. And I was like, and so I've always kind of been a fan of his. Also, it's kind of when I started kind of turning my opinion on beards. Because he has a very nice beard. He's got an amazing beard. He Uh, does. But those are that's his that it's because he's Jewish. So he grows a great beard. Lahan. Yeah, that's right. And but he's also been just a great representative in the Jewish community. Um, and so um, Kent staff, Kent State staff comment, the comments on him uh, in fall of 2008 were he was an upper echelon worker, knows his physical limits, likes to be yes, wants ball in his hands. Football instincts will help him at wide receiver, has the feet to play uh, defensive back, and the most competitive guy I've ever coached. So this guy just has incredible work ethic. You know, he just kept his nose to the ground and did work and, and everything like that. Now, all of that being said, I did see an argument that I thought was worth mentioning And it was that Heinz Ward can't make the final ballot in the Hall of Fame for the last five years. Yeah. So Heinz has a thousand catches. Edelman is 620. Heinz has 85 touchdowns. Uh, Edelman has 36. Mm -hmm. Heinz has 12,000 yards compared to Edelman's 6,800. They both have been Super Bowl MVP. Yep. And Hines has been in four Pro Bowls to Edelman's none. Yep. And and I kind of am in a, a lot. What a lot of people were saying, especially on Twitter, was like, if you want to have this conversation, maybe in five years, we'll talk about it. But they're like, right now, no. Yeah. So that tends to be the general consensus. 
Uh, I'm not entirely opposed to that because I think we were getting like Jordy. There was Jordy Nelson things coming in and a lot of other players that they were mentioning. So I, if Heinz Ward can't get into it right now, I'm going to say no to Julian right now. Yeah, uh, Heinz Ward may have been the most complete wide receiver of the last 20 years because if you were a Pittsburgh running back, you wanted Heinz Ward downfield blocking because he was an amazing blocker. Um, and on top of that, he statistically, he just laps Edelman in so much. And as the resident Patriots fan, I will tell you, uh, not even in five years, not even. No, no, that's that's regarding a text he sent. Yeah. Hey, go ahead. Yeah, but not even in five years do I think Edelman should be spoken about for the Hall of Fame. Um, he's going to have his jersey put up and his number retired and New England's Ring of Honor. I don't think that's a question uh, of that happening. Uh, he was uh, an integral part of three championship teams. Um, but you got to think his first few years, he was behind Wes Welker, you know, who arguably is one of the top slot receivers to ever play the game. Um, and that's not to knock Julian Edelman. Uh, Welker was ridiculously talented and then re- just had a great output um, before injuries derailed his career. Uh, but as somebody who has an Edelman jersey, as someone who spent a year at Kent State, as someone who is a Edelman fucking homer, uh, he's not a Hall of Fame player. Mm-hmm. you know. And I agree with Damian Woody. It's okay uh, to hang your hat, you know, hang the hat up and go away knowing you were a good football player. Uh, He had a great he had a great career, man. How many of us would kill right to play in five Super Bowls total? They won three of them, um, you know, and just have some of the big catches and and, you know, be Tom Brady's security blanket. Like I would fuck. Yeah, dude, I would have loved that. Right. But yeah. Hall of Fame or not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but he's not a Hall of Famer and that's okay. Well, but you know what, though? I I don't think he cares. I really don't. I think he's kind of just happy that he's had the career that he's had. Yeah. And like, you know, like his like his Kent State coaches were saying, like he knows his physical limitations. And he's just like, you know what? I'm going to go out, you know, on my terms. And, you know, and you got to think he was a seventh round draft pick that was only supposed to be returning kicks and punts. That was it. He was never supposed he was never supposed to be a a wideout. I truly don't think that he really care i mean obviously he wants to get into the hall of fame i mean because who does it but i don't i don't think that that's like a driving like oh i played so i could be in the hall of fame like i don't think that was it yeah i mean i you know he just strikes me as a dude who he went out there played as hard as he could injuries got to him the last few years and that that happens when you're a slot receiver Mm -hmm. you know because you're playing in the middle of the field quite often you know um but yeah, I mean, he, he had a great career. He had a career that I would have loved to have, you know. Uh, but is he a Hall of Famer? No. Five years from now, is he a Hall of Famer? No. Uh, and if I'm saying that about one of my favorite players ever, uh, I'm going to say the same thing about Jordy Nelson. That guy should not even be sniffing Canton, right? Like, he's... No, right? Like, Heinz Ward is the benchmark, and his ass should already have a gold jacket. Yeah. Uh, the, the way they do Hall of Fame voting is, is tragic and stupid. Um. But uh, let, let's move on to topic number two, um, which I think is an interesting one. All right. The coronavirus is still running rampant 
Uh, and as Dr. Fauci said today, we're still averaging 60,000 cases daily. All right. And players are taking that into account going into offseason training programs. Uh, when I wrote the notes, only the Buccaneers and Broncos players have both notified their team. You know, they notified their teams that they would not be taking part in in-person offseason programs. Now, it's since gotten bigger. Uh, you know, the list of teams has gotten bigger. Uh, I think there was another three teams that, as of this morning, said they, w- they would not report in person. Uh, you guys think this is something we'll see more teams doing? Or will it just be this small group of teams that have to do it? Um, I think that we will see more teams do it. Um, the Cowboys probably won't. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> the, the, Cowboys, <laughs> the Cowboys are, or the Texans. They're just like, exactly. or, or the Florida or the Florida teams. All those four teams are just gonna be like, fuck this, man. Let's do this. You know, they need the practice. They need the practice. Okay. Listen, that was a f- my love. You knew I was gonna take a jab. You knew I was going to. It was coming. I know. Um, I am surprised though, uh, that with the vaccine distribution, that they still kind of want to do that. And I know that the NFL is kind of pushing for like a three phase type of off season thing. Um, the Bucks, I feel like are probably largely are largely doing it to protect Brady because he's their cash cow right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know why Denver is doing it because they need all the help they can get after their four and eight season last year. <laughs> so like, I, I think we will see more teams doing it, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some teams to be like, you know, or, or maybe teams that are like, look, hey, if you go get the vaccine or whatever, da, 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 you know, and then try to have something. Yeah, I, I've seen Roger Goodell. I'm not to interrupt, James, you know, um, but Goodell uh, had a memo come out, right, that said he can't force players or teams to, to mandate vaccines, but he strongly encourages it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because you get into like essentially First Amendment issues. And we all know that the NFL is not great with Constitution anything. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, that, that's a discussion for another day. And then another time. It's not this yeah. podcast. <laughs> we, we don't have well, that podcast yet. Oh, yeah. no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> guesting on Mac's other show. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think that more teams are going to opt out. But I think it's going to be different than, say, last year when coaches were like, here's your um, your workout program. Go ahead and do that and make me a video. And who do they have to blame for that? That's right. Former 24-7 champion Rob Gronkowski, who filmed himself doing six different sprints in different shirts, which, I, look, I have always said that I was the, the E4 specialist that just kept getting promoted, so I appreciate a good sham. But... <laughs> For the amount that they pay his ass, he can work out every day. I work out every almost every day, all right? He can work out every day. Well, I think there's going to be some changes. On the flip side of that, James, though, all these players now literally have in-house uh, dietitians and, and things like mm-hmm. that. So it, it's not like it used to be where these players would sit there, do blow, drink all the time, and then you know summer practices it on them, and they're like, oh, man, I better play myself into shape. No, the, most of these guys live that way now. So you leave my 1990s Cowboys alone. 
Well, okay. I don't. That's not just the 1990s Cowboys, dude. That was every fucking team. Yeah. <laughs> well, so at the the three phase approach, um, I don't know if you guys saw this. Well, hold, of hold how, on. Let, let's let ahead. James finish his talk. It's okay. No, no, that that was about it. I was just okay. saying. I think more teams are going to opt in out of safety, and that's fine. I respect that. You know, if dudes don't want to get the vaccine, okay, they shouldn't be pressured to get it. And again, being these are my own words, not the organization I work for, but being an organization that is attempting to pressure people to get it, I understand why they may not feel safe to get it. That's an individual decision based off you, your family, and whatever you want to do. Yeah. But I also think that Roger Goodell is a piece of shit um, in Minecraft. And um, Well, we're, we're not threatening bodily harm on him. He is he, a piece of shit. He is a piece of shit. Like a physical <laughs> piece say, of shit. He actually came out of someone's butthole and then yep. got put in charge of the NFL. Yep. Um, so I, I can say that, I think. If not, it's in Minecraft. Um, yeah, so, but yeah. Let's, let's put it this way. We're not, we're not high enough on the list of sports no. podcasts that Roger Goodell is going to use his high-priced lawyers to sue. Yeah, for slander. Yeah, he's, yeah. it's not. It's not. Um, well, the, the three phases that I was talking about earlier, um, I, like I said, I don't know if you guys got to look at it at all. Um, but basically what it is, it's, it reflects what the players requested. So, uh, it will run from April 19th to May 14th. All meetings will be conducted virtually and no on-field work will be permitted. So everything is still on Zoom. Uh, the league says it wants to use this phase to focus on vaccine education efforts and make vaccines available to, to players, team staff, their families, as soon as their various local regulations permit. The second phase will run from May 17 to May 21. It will remain voluntary and meetings will remain virtual, but on-field drills will be permitted under normal phase two guidelines which prohibit contact and limit the amount of time spent on the field per day. Uh, annual post-draft rookie mini camps will be held in the week of week two of phase two. Phase three will be a traditional phase three that runs from May 24 through June 18 and will include the normal 10 days of voluntary uh, OTA work as well as mandatory mini camps. Meetings during this phase will be allowed to be conducted virtually or in person and applying the COVID-19 rules about testing, contact tracing, limits on the numbers of people allowed in various parts of the team facility. Uh, players who participate in meetings or workouts virtually will still be entitled to their $250 per diems, uh, which uh, was an important part of the NFLPA's request during the negotiations on off-season programs. So, yeah, well, I think it's better than what they did last year. Yes. I and my two cents here is that every team right now should just say we're not showing up every fucking team. Not not you don't have outliers that do it right because and this goes into collective bargaining for me. Right. If the players show solidarity and tell the owners we're not doing it, um, it's going to show that solidarity as they go into the next CBA agreements, into the next TV negotiation agreements, right? Like you do not have outliers uh, because that can break negotiations. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you both. I think more teams are going to do this. Um, 
And I mean, that three-phase approach, Heather, it sounds good on paper, right? That's true. Like, you know, I, I just, I don't trust the NFL headshed to do right by the players. I honestly don't. Uh, I don't think Roger Goodell could be, can be trusted. I don't believe anybody in his office can be trusted. Uh, and, and truth be told, I am waiting for the day uh, where there is a player's coup and they overthrow Goodell and they install a former player as commissioner. Uh, that's a pipe dream, but it's it's one I go to sleep happy about. Well, you know what? It's one that I also share. So, yeah. Are you two looking forward to the NFL Bolshevik rebellion? Is that what I just heard? Uh, if I hear the National Football uh, Association of Soviet Leagues, I'm OK with it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yes, everybody. I am the act, I, I, I'm the card carrying commie here. Okay, oh, like yeah. just deal you're, with it. You're, he's he's your neighborhood <laughs> friendly communist. I am a friendly communist. Yeah, I know. Anyways, I'm putting, I'm putting together a mutual aid thing here for Fayetteville for our, for our houseless population. So yes, I am the friendly neighborhood uh, commie. But we're, this is not a political podcast. This is a sports podcast, and big news coming out of the NBA. I've titled it Sold. The Timberwolves will have new ownership. The Minnesota Timberwolves have been on the market for a few years, and an ownership group finally was formed to purchase the team. Now, keep in mind, a year or so ago, Timberwolves legend Kevin Garnett was in on a group that was going to buy this team from Glenn Taylor. And because of the acrimonious way in which Kevin Garnett was traded, Glenn Taylor promptly told Kevin Garnett and his group to kick rocks rather than selling the team to him. So for me, that was like cutting off your nose to spite your face. You had a guy who wanted to keep the team in Minnesota. You had a guy who played most of his great years with the Timberwolves. That would have been a great like PR move, but what the fuck do I know? Um, Glenn Taylor, who purchased the team in 1994 for $90 million, will sell to a group led by former MLB star Alex Rodriguez and billionaire Mark War. The purchase price, $1.5 billion, with a B. Oof. Billion. Quite the return on investment, isn't it? Um, and they will be contractually obligated to keep the team in Minneapolis. Uh, Lore and Rodriguez will act as minority owners until 2023, when they'll become the primary owners. The Timberwolves have been a dumpster fire. So do you guys think that this new ownership group will kind of like give that injection of new blood uh, to get the Timberwolves over the hump. And more importantly, what about the price of franchises now? He bought the team for $90 million and is selling it for $1.5 billion. Didn't they have, a, like, a celebrity, like, owner or something? Not the Timberwolves. Are you sure? Because I could swear they had, there was... No, no. Glenn Taylor has owned the teams outright since 1994. There was a team that had like a yeah the the Brooklyn Nets Jay Z owned ten percent of that team yeah but I I thought like oh shit I thought Justin Timberlake had a stake in like one no, of the he, teams he has a stake in the Memphis Grizzlies his hometown oh okay okay that's what it is that's what it is yes. okay yeah I I could have sworn though I thought that. Um, the Timberwolves had one too. No, but Glenn I don't know. Yeah, uh, Glenn Taylor has he owns one hundred percent of that team. Oh, 
he has no minority Ooh. investors. So, um, but I mean, like that's for me, and I'm going to jump into this first, okay? Because the funny thing was, uh, Anthony Edwards is probably one of the top young stars in the NBA, and he plays for the Timberwolves. So after a game, during the post-game interview, uh, a reporter asked him if he grew up an A-Rod fan. And Edwards replied, a fan? What do you mean? Like, who is he? <laughs> when, wow. when, Ed, when, Ed, <laughs> when Edwards was told Rodriguez was a baseball player, the 19-year-old rookie said, nah, I don't know who that is. I know he's getting ready to be the owner, but I don't know nothing about baseball. <laughs> so I thought that was great. But listen, uh, I mean, listen, he knows his strength. Like, how, how do you not know who A-Rod is? I, it, he, he probably he, he, he just he's said a basketball it. dude like yeah he just said why would he care it, you gotta think James he was 19 and A Rod stopped playing baseball when he was 13 um, but yeah I think this is a good move for the for the t- uh, Timberwolves uh, Glenn Taylor is kind of like this old stodgy white dude and even if A Rod isn't going to be like the money behind the operation and don't get me wrong he made a ton of money playing baseball. Um, He's going to be the face, kind of like Derek Jeter is with the Marlins down in Miami, right? Um, and people are going to flock to that. You know, I, I think if the Timberwolves started pushing for a new arena, uh, the city of Minneapolis is going to be overjoyed to have a guy like Alex Rodriguez uh, doing the negotiations for it, right? Um, he's going to bring people to Minneapolis to watch basketball because it's Alex Rodriguez. Um, you know, I, I think this will be a good thing. Um, but as far as franchises go, I think that's absolutely batshit crazy that he turned a $90 million investment into $1.5 billion. I think that's crazy, especially for a team that is honestly as bad as the Timberwolves. They're one of the worst teams in the league. They routinely draft great players and don't know how to develop them. Um, you know, I, I think it's nuts. I mean, do you guys think that the price of these franchises is outrageous? This is this is not my lane. I again, I, I know I know my strength. This is not it. Yeah, but I can we'll, tell you that. We're not even at this point, Heather. We're not even just talking about the NBA here. Just professional sports franchises in the United States. Do you think that this is outrageous? That these teams are going for more than a billion dollars? Um. Well, I, I I feel like taking on a team is a lot. Like, I feel like there are so many moving pieces to it that it almost requires that kind of a price tag. Because you got to think you've got players, you've got staff, you have to do facilities, you have to do support staff for that. Like, I, I just, I, I feel like there's a lot more that, like, goes into the price tag than just you know the talent or lack thereof um in the timberwolves case yeah (laughs) depends on the franchise exactly (laughs) yeah exactly so like i i don't know i'm again it's this is not my strong suit and that's kind of that's just me reaching in my ass for something to be perfectly honest but i mean it's i mean it's true it's still valid you know yeah it's not an easy task to 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 buy a team and a and a franchise. It's not. It's not an easy task. So and it does take a considerable amount of money. Um, 
I mean, he's basically done what business people do all the time, where they yeah. make an investment and exploit the shit out of that investment for a higher dollar amount. Yeah, I mean, you got to think he's on the team 27 years, so that's... Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, like, and I'm sure he's probably taking that into account, too. Yeah. Well, what about... So, what, what do you think, James? Do you... Do you what do you think about the valuation of professional sports franchises now? So that's an insane profit margin, obviously. Yeah. I would be curious to see how much money he has made either in the black or red from 94 to now um, to kind of like quantify spending $1.5 for a team that was paid for $88 billion. And just for our listeners that are wondering, as a recent graduate of a college math class for dummies, um, <laughs> where with the help of your wife, my wife did help me for the first half. Yes. Um, and someone who got a B and never opened the textbook. You're welcome. Thanks, America. Um, eighty eight million today. Would be one hundred and fifty seven there's a lot more numbers, but basically one hundred and fifty seven million. Yeah. So even if. You know, you take what it would be worth then now. That's a huge, huge profit. Um, yeah, that's but, it's what, like a 10, uh, what, almost 12, 12 times more, roughly? 11? Yeah, I, th I think. Yeah. Again, I never opened the textbook, so I'm I don't not, do I'm math. Not a, I'm not a numbers guy. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm a business major, not a math major. Um, <laughs> so, but from a business perspective, good for him. Um, I would say that if you, I would, I really, I think I may later do some Googling. Um, as James is due and see how much money he's made off that team and see if that investment of 1.5 billion is worth it. It might be, um, no, 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 that's not his investment. That's what he's getting or his pro. Well, that's what I'm saying. His profit off that, that might be worth their investment. Um, right, so what you're saying is the money he spent up until this point, mm -hmm. um, like how would that be offset by what he's getting for the team now? Yeah. And what the team made him. I guess. Yeah. Um, and if those investors are looking at it like, hey, he made, you know, X amount, we could make Y amount offset from this one point five billion. Where does that put us in 27 plus years? You know, um, it might be worth it. It might. Um, I wonder how long do they ha is it an indefinite they have to stay in Minnesota or is yes. there a timeline okay. on that? No, that no. was that was built into the contract of sale. Right? OK, OK, right. OK. But. But there is a but there. Legal experts have said that that language or that covenant can be tricky to enforce as it relates to moving a business. Yes. And I'm going to tell you right now, Adam Silver, OK, is doing he's going to go the expansion route. Right. He's going to expand the NBA. Uh, one team, one city that's definitely going to get a team is going to be Seattle. Like that's going to happen. Right. And that'll round the NBA to 30 teams. I doesn't, would not. I would Seattle have a team. No, the Supersonics moved to Oklahoma City about almost 20 years ago. Oh, OK. Um, maybe 15. I, I just I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but Seattle is a basketball crazy city. I would not be surprised to see him add two other teams to go to 32, which is the magic number for American sports leagues. Um, now. The, the, the biggest issue here, Heather, is is I don't think Adam Silver and the owners, because anytime a franchise moves, the other owners have to vote on it, right? The NBA does not like franchise moving, right? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I, yeah. I, I have something to add. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you, um, though. 
But I mean, just look, it, it took them tooth and nail to get uh, the Vancouver Grizzlies to move to Memphis, right? Because they were going to a much smaller market. Um, it, if the Timberwolves were to leave, right, it would have to go to a monster market. There's no way that Silver is going to let Minnesota go to like Butte, Montana, you know, like, he's, oh, well, yeah, he's not going to let it go. He, he wouldn't let the ownership wouldn't let franchise uh, that that franchise with the young talent that they have move to a small market because that cuts into TV revenue. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see the Timberwolves moving. I, I don't honestly I don't think a rod uh, who's dealt with, you know, the PED stuff like he's kind of uh, rehabbed his name a bit. I don't think he wants the bad PR from trying to pull a team uh, out of Minneapolis, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and that's kind of what Taylor was saying was that, um, was that the, that the NBA would have to approve it. Yes. Start with. So, you know, ultimately it, it does come down to the NBA to approve the move. And, the league just does not want to see the wolves in another market. Like you were saying, like partially I mean, you, because there's not really anywhere for them to go. Yeah. And Minneapolis is a big market. I mean, there it is. It, yeah, it is. It's and Minneapolis. It was like Paul, the you know? 14th biggest yeah. market or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like it's not because God knows that New York needs another fucking team. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, they've, they've already got two. Like, I don't think a third would work. Yeah. So like really like, the major penalty that any owner would have to pay for moving the wolves is $50 million. And that's just for breaking the lease mm-hmm. at the target center. So, because that agreement runs through 2035. So, I mean, I mean, really what's 50 million when you're buying a team for 1.5 billion. Yeah. I mean, right? the, the, it's, the, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. The big issue is though, is um, I think 50 million is the low number, Heather, uh, because they, there would have to, whenever a team moves, there's a payout to the rest of the owners. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you realize Stan Kroenke, when he moved the Rams back to LA, ponied up almost 400 million uh, to pay to the other owners. Uh, to move the team back to L.A. because he's like, I'll make that back quick. It's Los Angeles. Everybody wants to watch pro football in Los Angeles. And it's like you've lost every team that's that's been there. Like, yeah. okay. well, and so, yeah. yeah, So so what I'm looking at is an article in the Star Tribune out of Minnesota um, and Minnesota Minnesota. and um, and basically Taylor was saying, you know, that the NBA will not approve the Timberwolves moving from here to Seattle. Uh, it's in the NBA's interest that in Seattle, that a new team is formed. It's an economic decision that's in the interest of all of the owners. And so by that, he means that, you know, the other owners stand to make a very handsome expansion fee if new teams pop up in Seattle or Las Vegas. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, Wolves fans immediately flash back to when the Seattle Supersonics bolted for Oklahoma City. Yeah. The two, the two situations aren't perfectly anal- wait, yeah, analogous. Analog- right? Analogous. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm drinking an 8% seltzer, so just bear with me. Um, I can't wait to try those. They haven't made their way here. 
Oh, they're so good. They're very good. Um, starting with the fact that it only cost Thunder owner Clay Bennett $30 million to move the team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Target Center's not that old. Uh, the key arena in Seattle was 25, 30 years old when Seattle left. And that was that was part of the reason why they did leave was because uh, the prior ownership was trying to get a new stadium built. And the city of Seattle was like, well, if you'd like a new stadium, build it yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're not ponying up any taxpayer money to do so. Uh, and that's Yeah, when- no, because they're all fucking making you pay for it at the stupid yeah. airport. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, let's face it. These owners have the perfect grift, right? Uh, they, they're like, well, we, this team brings all this money in. And there's been multiple studies done that says, you know, that have sh- has shown these teams don't bring it anywhere near as money into the cities that they're located in as these owners in the leagues like to, like to, to say, right? Um, but then they bend cities over backwards because it's a, it's a vanity project, right? It's a vanity thing to have uh, at least three, well, I'll say at least two of the big four in the United States in your city, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if the this, if this Supersonics would have stayed in Seattle, Seattle would have every, you know, one team from the big four, you know, in Seattle uh, with the Kraken starting play, you know? So, like, absolutely, uh, I, I agree with City saying, no, build your own. Look at what Jerry Jones has done in Dallas, right? He built mm-hmm. that stadium. That's, mm-hmm. it's the, there's a reason it's called the house that Jerry built. And he gets all the money from it because he put the money up for it. But a lot of these teams, what they do as they force the city to build it, the city and the county go into debt to do so, and then the team is still getting most of the revenue generated by the stadium. So how do we pay the bills off? Well, we raise taxes. But guess what, guys? We have a baseball team. We have a football team. We have a hockey team. We have a basketball team, right? Like, it's, it, it's, it's the perfect grift. You know, it really is. Um, but I'm hopping off my soapbox James, Heather. I was gonna say, yeah, like I oh, don't think James oh, oh, just literally shine. I said some stuff, but <laughs> oh. shine my soapbox up because it oh. was WrestleMania weekend. There we go. That's what mm. I was going into. This year's WrestleMania extravaganza differed uh, from the others before it because this was not just one night of WWE wrestling. No, no, this was two nights. Thank God, because <laughs> two nights. Uh, and from what I've read and from what people have told me, night one was much, much better than night two. So, J- James and Heather, I'm going to promptly take a step back. I will ask questions where I feel the need and go ahead. Tell us about WrestleMania. Uh, what is it, 74, 75 now? Uh, 37. 30, 37. Okay. We're almost there. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I, I always I always know what WrestleMania it is based off my age because the first WrestleMania was in 1983. And so every year after. Um, so before oh, we so ta- it was so great before we it- talk about it, though, there's some some stuff that needs to be mentioned. I know Heather wants to talk about it, but. No, I'm no, 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 no. I'm just I'm going to bounce off of you. I'm just going to okay. ping off of you because, um, you know, a lot more than I do. But I did watch it with you. And yeah. I do know a little bit. So, so the first thing is last year, WrestleMania was two nights. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought that was because of the coronavirus pandemic uh, or Polaroid, excuse me. Um, and yes. Polaroid. It, it, it was good. 
Because as Heather will tell you, the first WrestleMania she watched for a long time was 35. Um, and it was like eight hours long. Yeah, I when I was big into wrestling, James, that was always my big thing. Uh, and, you know, my my wrestling preferences as a kid, I watched both WCW and WWF at the time. And the big, um, you know, the big pay-per-view staples, they were. They seemed they just went on forever and I would quickly lose interest and like play like Final Fantasy and then go back to it. It got. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Long. Oh, yeah. No, I it, listen. Whenever I watched 35, I remember telling James, I was like, I have to go to bed. Like, I have to be at work in the morning. <laughs> James, and, let's, let's, it wasn't just she had to go to work. She was seriously debating whether she wanted to continue to see you at that point. <laughs> no, 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 because no, because uh, we we went to uh, Greensboro that weekend mm-hmm. as kind of a little getaway, just me and him before he deployed. And that that was like and that was going to be the 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 thing that like capped off the weekend was WrestleMania. I, I don't care how much I love someone asking me to, to invest eight hours into one program. Oh, no, not not just eight. That's we watched big, the Hall of Fame before. So, yeah, was we like, watched the Hall of Fame before. OK, yeah, see, that, was, that's, a, that's a big ask, James. It was a lot. I was trying to find out if she was the one. You would clearly have, she was. You would have had to have bought me a nice steak dinner about hour three, and then maybe I would have stuck around. <laughs> but I remember, I don't remember what we ate that day. I don't know if we did. Um, <laughs> I know we drank a lot. Uh, See, however, I'm, I'm giving anyways. you glimpses into the co-host life that you would not normally get. I know, no, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but let's let's get back to 37. So um, <laughs> before we get into 37, there's some stuff that needs to be talked about. Um, the first thing was back in March, it came out that fans might be at Raymond James Stadium. Yeah. If you recall, which I'm sure one or two of our 24 listeners will, uh, it was supposed to take place at Raymond James Stadium last year, but because of the pretzel stick, um, it didn't happen. So this year, they said that they were going to have fans that were going to be separated by pods with physical distancing in place. They also confirmed they would administer temperature checks and wellness screenings. Masks would be required. Free masks would be available, and any transaction would be paperless. Okay, I love the WWE. But there were a whole lot of people in that audience with no masks on. Oh, my God. Um, it was so bad. I'm, I'm not surprised at that, honestly. I'm not surprised. Oh, no, I wasn't either. Yeah, I wasn't either. It kind of became like a game to point out who wasn't wearing masks. I saw something, and this is going to anger everyone, but I saw something yesterday that was a Twitter video of a person that said, Tested positive for COVID yesterday, but I'm not missing WrestleMania. Um, I know. I know. Florida. It's Florida. Florida, But out of, I don't know how many that theater, that that stadium seats, but each night had 25,000 people there. Uh, Raymond James, if I remember correctly, is about 75, 76,000. Okay. So it could have been way, way worse. Yeah, it could have been. Now, I will say, like, on the lower level, there really was not a lot of social distancing. Um, but up in the upper levels, you could see it. Yeah, I will say that. I will say that. But if you were down on the floor, no, absolutely not. And I don't want Tim to murder me, so I'm not going to go into the entire week too much. <laughs> um, but 
seeing as this may be my last time on the show for a while, why not? Um, so for anyone that's a wrestling fan, you know that the week of WrestleMania is a big deal. Um, Pre-COVID, you know, you'd have the Hall of Fame. Recently, you've had uh, NXT TakeOver events, and it was a whole a whole week. You had Raw on Monday. Uh, Tuesday was the Hall of Fame, um, which aired on Peacock for the first time, and fans were not happy about the format that Peacock is in. Um, you James, can't pause you, live events. James, James, you need to re-say that. Tim can cut it, but you broke up real bad. Oh, did I? Okay, my bad. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, this year, everything aired on Peacock. The network is no longer, um, which is good because it's cheaper. But fans and I wanted not- to ask, I wanted to ask you about that. How was the production yeah. value? Was it still um, good? Yes and no. Uh, okay. Fans were not happy with the Hall of Fame uh, ceremony. You can't pause live events on Peacock, um, which I, I, I mean, what a first world problem. Oh, I can't live. I can't pause live TV. Um, but when you're used to being able to do that, it's kind of a shock. Um, the Hall of Fame, they did 2020 and 2021 in one night. Um, and they gave the inductees three to five minutes to do their speeches, which when you look at the caliber caliber of talent um, that was getting inducted, it's kind of a slap in the face. The 2020 class. Oh, mm. The tw- I know, I'll, I'll let you. Just let me do this. The 2020 class, you had JBL, British Bulldog, Justin Thunder Liger, the NWO, consisting of Hogan, Nash Hall, and Sean Waltman, the Bella Twins, the uh, William Shatner in the Celebrity Wing, and Titus O'Neil received the Warrior Award. For 2021, you had Molly Holly, Eric Bischoff, the Great Khali, Rob Van Dam, Ozzy Osbourne in the Celebrity Ring, Rich Herring, who's a longtime WWE employee, received the Warrior Award, and the final inductee was Kane. If you don't know, the Warrior Award is an award that's given um, for an outstanding person, um, either if they do like community service or outreach, stuff like that. It's a big deal. Um, well, before what, you go on, James, uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you uh, a personal question here because I'm not going to sit here for 50 minutes and be quiet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but who who do you think didn't deserve to get in? Because I'm gonna tell you right now, the great Kali, fuck that guy. Uh, I agree. The great Kali and the Bella Twins. I don't think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we were big. We were not big like Bella Twins. I mean, I, I'm I'm not gonna knock the Bella Twins, right? Because, uh, I mean, let's face it. You know, professional professional wrestling has like uh, you know peaks and valleys, right? Like that's just the nature of the game. Yes. At a low point, the Bella Twins came in uh, and they, you know, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but they started out as like just the pretty face and they trained themselves into being okay wrestlers. Um, You know, I think the women's divisions now across the multiple uh, big leagues that they have are uh, light years ahead uh, wrestling wise than, you know, the the women that I grew up with. Right. but like, uh, so I, I kind of get that, right? Because it kind of pulled the women's division up in a kind of a down period. Um, but like Great Khali, like that dude was one of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen on TV. Uh, and I, I don't understand that. Out of all the people, like Rob Van Dam, absolutely. NWO, yes. absolutely, right? Uh, you know, even even old Sean Waltman and 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 Hall, who, 
God knows, uh, James, we've watched them both just uh, oh, shoot, man. shoot themselves in the foot repeatedly. But when they were into the game, they were into the game. They were great to watch, right? It was good television. Um, but, like, I don't know, man. Like like I said, great Kali. The Bella Twins, I can, I can see as, as for, like, kind of an exposure thing, you know? But I, I don't know, man. So, but outside outside of the great Kali, who else do you think uh, may have been given a little too much? Uh, I think the Bella Twins, and only because they were Diva Search contestants, if people will remember that. Yeah. Um, uh, other than, uh, God, I hated seeing Hogan take over the NWO acceptance speech because Hall, Waltman, um, and Nash had very, very from the heart um acceptance speeches and uh if you've never seen kevin nash speak he's very eloquent very educated dude um just very captivating but hogan did First what hogan all, does didn't say his name right i'm sorry the super shredder kevin nash thank you all hogan did was plug the nwo his store in florida i yeah. guess that he has yeah, he sure did um and how the nwo is the greatest of greatest of greatest ever and it was embarrassing and then a half hour later, you have Eric Bischoff come out and he gets three minutes who I again, as the fan, as our fans know, I am a WWE fan diehard. I hated Eric Bischoff, but he did push the business to a place it wouldn't be today without yeah. him yeah. And to give someone like him three minutes. Dude, come on. Yeah. And it, it was just it, it was disrespectful, in my opinion, Um Fortunately, some people were like, fuck you. This is my moment. I'm going to talk. Glenn Jacobs, Kane, um, had a very emotional speech that was by far the best speech of the night. Um, right from the heart. Uh, thank the fans, everyone he'd worked for. Um, great to see him in the uh, Hall of Fame. And Rob, Rob Van Dam was the other second best speech where he talked about uh, when he lost his father the next day, he had an autograph signing. And he was going to cancel it, but he's like, no, I, I can't. I don't want to no show. And the energy from fans kind of like picked him back up and got him back up like a day after his dad died. Yeah. And it, it those those speeches were great. Um, and it was it was great to um, see those people finally all those wrestlers finally get their due, even though I don't like the great Collie. But yeah, I mean, um, dude, I'm going to tell you right now, as a, a as a former ECW homer, I loved ECW. Mm -hmm. I, I love that Van Dam got into the to the big Hall of Fame, you yeah. know, because he was never supposed to be there. No, no, nope. You know, all he did was shit talk. Uh, you know, the WWF, especially after he was like the what WCW did to him, and I mean, but he was a great competitor. I just wish. Uh, again, like most, a, a, well, not most, but like a lot of professional wrestlers, he had his substance abuse issues, mm -hmm. and uh, and then he he kind of stayed in the game a little too long, you know, like he really did, yeah, uh, for his type of style. Like, there's no reason he should have been out there, like at 55 doing what he did. <laughs> yeah, not at all. But oh, well, getting yeah. away, getting away from the Hall of Fame, um, take NXT Takeover was also two nights. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to say, check it out. Both nights were fantastic. My NXT kids fucking killing it. Um, it was amazing. But so let's let's get into WrestleMania because otherwise. And and fun. talking about uh, NXT kids. But yeah. Oh, oh, I'm oh so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm we'll get so there. Excited. We'll get there. So WrestleMania itself opened up with Vince McMahon with his 47th facelift coming out. 
Um, <laughs> that's put, and that's being nice. I love you. I love you, Vince. I'll write for oh. you any day. Like I'll take peanuts. Um, but he came out and thanked the fans for being loyal. Um, it had been officially one year, one month, and one day since fans had been at a live event. Um, and it it was fantastic um, to see fans back. I was excited. You can ask Heather. I was losing my mind. I had goosebumps. Um, and the card kicked too. off. I did she too. did too. Yeah. Both nights had great cards. I know what Max said. Night one might have been better than night two, but we'll get into it. Um, night one opened up with Bobby Lashley retaining his title, the WWE heavyweight title over Drew McIntyre. I was pissed, but yeah, I Drew deserves so much better than that. He tr- he really did. He did. He did. But it was a fantastic match. It was. Um, it really was. It was very it physical. Was, it was very entertaining to watch yeah. because I kind of feel like the whole thing with with Lana was taking away from Bobby Lashley. I have a I have a note on that. Mm, go ahead. Um, so if you haven't watched it yet, there's going to be some spoilers coming up. Yeah. So spoiler pause, on all of this. Pause okay. this right now. Go watch night one and two. Then come back and re-listen to it. Tell your friends. Um, unfortunately, uh, Drew was going for the Claymore kick, got distracted by MVP, and got caught in the Hurt Locker, which I want to point out is really just a full Nelson and not a submission. Mm-hmm. Um, but Drew did do the job for Bobby in the middle of the ring, um, and the fans went crazy. And I feel the real props in this are is to MVP, who... Like Heather was saying, less than a year ago, Bobby Lashley was in a love triangle feud with Rusev and Lana, and now he's opening the first live event in a year at WrestleMania for the heavyweight title. And that didn't happen without MVP. So good for MVP for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Seth Rollins and Cesaro. uh, Cesaro finally got his first singles match in 10 years at the company. Great match. Almost stole the show, but... um, there, there was another event, but I, I, before I get to that, I do want to say that it wouldn't have been WrestleMania without Shane McMahon getting thrown off the top of a steel cage. Oh yeah, that was fantastic. Every yeah, Dude, it was so it was great. He's older than we are. Like when is enough? I know, <laughs> I know. He's still, he's still trying. He's I he's... to this day. I love Shane O'Mac. I love him for that. Um, before I get to the best match of the night, I I want to lead in with this just. Go with me here, all right? Just go with me. We're going to get there. Okay. All right. Because there was a match on this card. The Miz and John Morrison versus Damian Priest and Latin musician Bad Bunny. I know. Sounds awful, right? It was the best performance I have ever seen from a celebrity in wrestling ever. And I've been watching wrestling my entire life. Best ever. Did a little research. Apparently, Bad Bunny, which I feel so ridiculous saying, was at the Performance Center every single day, learning how to take a bump, learning how to how to fall, learning how to do a a, a drop kick, all this stuff. And well, he you know, actually wrestled. Dude, that is a lot better than the celebrities that like I saw at the tail end of WCW. We had like Carl Malone and David Arquette. And Dennis Rodman. Okay, yes. okay, hold up, though. Know. Hold up, wait, wait. Let me throw a flag on on David Arquette. Okay. He got better. Yeah. Th- there is a documentary 
about David Arquette and his wrestling career. And it it was so ridiculous, I know, looking back on it like that. But when you watch the documentary, you actually see, like, how much it meant to him. Oh, oh okay. You know what? I It would mean so much to me to win a Super Bowl ring. I'm still not asking Bill Belichick to sign me up and and throwing my ass out there, okay? Like I will no. say this. In in David Arquette's defense, good God, I never thought those words would come out of right? my mouth. In David Arquette's defense, they had that movie ready to rumble, trying to get buzz. He did not want to win the world title and regrets it to this day. But it as did. much as I would yeah. Don't care. That was the nail in the coffin for I know for the oh, Monday oh. Night Wars. It was it was it. Oh, at yeah. that point, at that point, WCW had no shot. Hey, young James was like, it's over. We won. Just saying. But Bad Bunny did a great job. But I think the kudos go to Miz and Morrison. Hey, hey, ho, ho. Um, for putting over Bad Bunny and Damian Priest like that. And I actually like Damian Priest. I wouldn't leave my drink around him in a club. But no, um, no, no. But to be able to put over someone who has zero experience to look that good was super impressive. Um, it was a fun match to watch, and you wouldn't think that a fun match with a, celeb- a match with a celebrity would be fun, but it was. But I will let Heather start to talk about the main event um, with our girls. Oh, with our girls. Listen, that main event match, I, I, for me, like, that was the best match of the night. Uh, well, you're not the only person that said that, Heather. Uh, I mean, I, I read really multiple... Was multiple outlets because I knew we were going to talk about it that said that that match the main event on night one was like the one of the best matches of the weekend oh my god fan I truly wrestling fans will be watching that match and re-watching that match for years and I feel like it is one of those matches that even like will get shown to kids you know and be like look look at this because it was the first time ever that two black women had faced off in a singles match at WrestleMania. And I am talking about Bianca Belair, the EST of NXT, facing Sasha Banks. And it was fantastic. I I just, the, the match itself lasted about uh, 17 minutes um, and there was just it was a lot of back and forth um, especially from Bel Air because obviously you know she's got something to prove she's just she's been an NXT um, and she wound up you know escaping the bank statement and she hit a 450 splash and used her trademark ponytail to hit bangs in the abdomen Oh, let me let me let me pause right there. Mm. She didn't just <laughs> hit Banks in the abdomen. There was a welt. Yeah, I saw an welt. article right from some wrestling writer who I'll find later. Um, said was it necessary for Sasha Banks to whip or to get whipped by Bianca Belair's it was ponytail? Literally, yeah, it was literally. It absolutely her was fucking necessary. Her welt was gigantic immediately. Yeah, immediately she got smacked, uh, and so and then yeah, and then the the finish came when Belair hit Banks with the KOD, 
and pinned her in the center of the ring. And she got the SmackDown Women's Championship. And it was, God, it was so, and she was just crying and she was so happy. And it was great. It was just fucking great. The, the only thing I wish they would have showed was her husband mm. um, running down after. Oh, well, yeah. Well, on that TikTok yeah. I showed you. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he was so happy for her. Uh, he is one of the members of the Street Profits, probably one of the best tag teams in the WWE right now. Um, the reason why our, um, my son likes to do frog splashes on the couch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it was a fantastic night, and I was so excited after because I was so ready for night two, which was supposed to start off with Randy Orton against The Fiend. Which we were very excited about. And the entrances came out and we were super even more excited because the fiend came out of a jack in a box. And then the bell rang. And yeah, I heard this one was a big letdown, James. It was it was kind it was kind of gross, too. Uh, from what I read, it, it involved like a sludge. So that was kind of cool. But it was the ending like Randy ended up hitting the RKO pin pin the fiend. And the fiend turned around and looked at Alexa and the lights went off. They came back on and everyone was gone and the fans immediately booed the shit out of it. Yeah. And the whole thing was too, is like when he looked back at Alexa, you know, she wasn't the Alexa's playground Alexa. She was sitting on top of the Jack in the box box with this crown and she was in let like black leather like spikes and she and kind of like what you were saying had this black sludge ooze whatever like dripping down her face and and of course everybody you, you can literally hear people in the crowd being like what the fuck mm-hmm. And then it went black and then everybody was gone. And then, you know, that's when the booing came in. Um, Now, this is a story that has been going on for months and months and months. And I I guess I, I think that a lot of fans were hoping for some kind of conclusion to that story. But nope, that is not at all what happens. Well, I mean, I also think that wrestling fans are over, like, kind of gimmicky things like that now. No, but it's no. not gimmicky, though. No. That's the no. thing. It's not no. gimmicky. No. It's a, it's a, it is a very long game storytelling technique. And, and so, like, the next day, Bray Wyatt tweeted out a picture of um Samson it, it's just an old like renaissance art piece of Samson laying his head in Delilah's lap and it looks like she's about to cut his hair and so kind of the theory is is that um Alexa Bliss is starting to basically absorb his power because, you know, it's it's always, you know, oh, the fiend, you know, like when he takes over, he takes over other people. But now it's no. Now it's Alexa that's taking over. And so I, I there's going to be more to it. But I think 
the fans I, I might be getting a little tired of it being dragged out as long as it has been. Okay. Yeah. We are. I'll, yeah. I'll say it. I love the Fiend and we kind of are. But after that, there were there were a bunch of matches. I don't want to like say all of them, but there's only three more I want to talk about because they were great. Okay. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn with ugh, Logan Paul. The match, fantastic. But at the end of the match, and I... Yeah. I I actually saw a video of this, James. So. Oh, man. So <laughs> Kevin Owens pinned Sami Zayn. Logan Paul was Sami Zayn's finger double quotes guest at WrestleMania. And he jumps in the ring to congratulate Kevin Owens and raises his arm. And Kevin is like, what are you doing? Like what? And he kind of looks at him and smiles and you could see it. I was yelling stun Owens stun. Um, and Kevin Owens hit him with a stunner which was fantastic and he looked at him like why did he do that to me and not only did the crowd go crazy when he stunned his ass in the next century but my living room as well um <laughs> yeah it, it got was very loud in our house fantastic um then after that um Rhea Ripley versus Asuka uh oh I'm gonna let again. I'm gonna let Heather talk about this. My nails are painted black because it was so good. Oh my god! Okay, so we have been huge Rhea Ripley fans. Okay. Forever. It's 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 Rhea. It's not Ray. Like you know the way it's Rhea. R H E A. And 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 in Celtic countries, that's pronounced Ray. Well, which is funny because she's, I think she's British, isn't she? Oh, well, sounds like a personal issue. Uh, <laughs> so, so Rhea Ripley, which is Rhea it, Ripley, listen, that's, that's a pretty rad name. I'm not doing it. Oh, man. And she has just the most amazing aesthetic. Um, it's funny because she's actually, she's actually five, seven. So, I mean, she's a fairly tall girl. Um, but when you look at her, you think she's, you think she's so much taller. Like, okay. um, she is a, she is a girl that like, if you come across her somewhere, you're just going to be like, I'm not fucking with that. Like she, she will beat my ass. Like it is nothing. Um, and it was just, it was Rhea Ripley doing Rhea Ripley things. She's on she's on NXT and this this girl to be 23 years old has so much raw talent that it is fucking ridiculous. I would not be surprised if she was put into the Hall of Fame before she was 30. That's how good this girl is. It is bananas how amazing she is. And but yeah, so and like I said she was just doing Rhea Ripley things. I don't want to take away from Asuka. I've never been a big Asuka fan. I know that she's a big she she stays very in the Japanese style of wrestling. She's in the strong style but you also don't like her gear. I so. don't like her gear. Yeah, it looks yeah. super trashy because it literally looks like she's got a thong on over her shorts and it looks stupid and I hate it. I say it every fucking time. Um, but uh, Rhea was able to hit a riptide after ducking a kick and 
And it's funny because some people are saying that it was a good enough match, but not quite to the level of Asuka's best. Um, but it and that it wasn't necessarily to the level of the Bianca Belair match uh, of the of the Belair Banks match, which I, I, I will say it, it wasn't quite on that level. And I do think that obviously I have a bias because it's it's Rhea Ripley. Um, but I fucking loved it. There's a I reason loved to see these NXT girls coming in and just wrecking shop. So before they went out, they got told they had 15 minutes to work. So that's why it wasn't as intense as the other match. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, in that 15 minutes, Rhea Ripley showed why she, and also she's not on NXT anymore. She's on, on raw officially. Yeah, she is. Um, But she showed, she's still NXT to me. Oh, she's, she's the Lewis house favorite by far. Oh, um, <laughs> by far. And I'm so happy that she got that moment. Cause she should have got it last year. Um, but you know, Oh, James and I were both like, we both like had chills and we were clapping and hollering because we mm-hmm. were so happy for her. But yeah, that is, that is why my fingernails are painted black this week yeah. is because of her. And there was only one last match after theirs, and it tough to follow, but they they put out. Um, the last match of WrestleMania Night 2 was for Roman Reigns' Universal Championship against Edge and Daniel Bryant in an incredibly physical match. Um, Bryant, there's no T on the end of it. Daniel Bryant. I always say Bryant. Yeah, I know, but it's not Bryant. It's Bryant. Uh, Daniel Bryant's the yes guy, right? Like the guy yeah, that- he is. Yes. 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 Uh, oh, I was hoping for Yeslemania so bad. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, you really wanted Yeslemania to take You can ask Heather. When he came down, I mean, it was me, Heather, and our dogs, and Kat, and I'm screaming, yes, pumping my arms up. Um, well, had, if I remember correctly, he had to take a few years off, right, from a neck mm-hmm. injury? Yes. Uh, no, well, it was like Edge a concussion. Did. That was Edge. Edge was the neck injury. Okay. Uh, Daniel Bryant had uh, concussion issues and got cleared to come back. He, it's rumored that he's almost done um, for but similar reasons. Not, well, hold on. Yeslemania was so much better than fucking WrestleMania. So let's right. just put that out there. That's our official stance. <laughs> Jerry the King Lawler needs to get fired. That's what he was calling it because on night one, there was a weather delay. But that match, oh man. Well, those are going to happen when you're in an outdoor venue in right? Florida. Yeah. Okay, like, yeah. And in fucking what, Orlando? Or was it Tampa? Tampa, Tampa? Tampa. Yeah, in fucking Tampa. Everybody knows that in Tampa, between the hours of like four and six, there's going to be a downpour. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, but there was a very liberal use of chairs in that match yeah, and some were. chairs to heads, which I yeah. had seen for a while. That's that's not what you want with a man that's coming back from like post concussion syndrome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh well, uh, or or fucking Edge with his neck issues. Yeah, it 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 was a fantastic match. Um, in my opinion, the second best match out of all the matches nights one and two. Um, unfortunately, Roman Reigns maintained by pinning both Edge and Daniel Bryant. Um. But it was an awesome card. It was so great to have fans back. It, it just, I, I loved seeing people back. But WrestleMania is not WrestleMania without fans. Um, and and the, the, the WWE superstars did an amazing job. And it, it was just awesome. 
And well, and I really love to like night one when Vince came out and was, you know, did his WrestleMania thing. Like you could see there were so many of them that were so like visibly moved to mm-hmm. be there and to be in front of people again. Yeah. Like, like you could just see it on their faces and even like, um, who was it? Oh God, babe. Who was it that, um, when he was coming out, like you could tell, like he needed a, a minute to just like, take it all in. I know Rhea to... was crying on night one. Yeah. Rhea was crying on night line. Oh, and then we didn't even talk about homegirl who fell down the ramp. That was oh, God. great. Ooh, ooh. At that, WrestleMania is not the place where you want to trip over your own feet going down. Oh, that's exactly it was what wet. happened. Dana Brooke tripped on the ramp or slid on the ramp, fell down. The next night, Randy Orton made fun of her. Um, again, do a live event in an open stadium in Tampa. That's what you get. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was really, it was really good. It really okay. was. I All mean, right. so so let's. It do was this. a fun. It was absolutely a fun watch. Let's do this. All right. On a ten scale, what would you give this WrestleMania? Heather, you go first. Um, for me, I would probably give it. I'd give it an eight point five. I feel like it's a very solid. I mean, obviously, there's points for some matches that were just like, meh, you know. Um, I am also very disappointed in the the Fiend Randy Orton match um, because I'm a massive fucking Fiend fan. Um, but again, I also can like appreciate the storytelling, and I get it. So, uh, yeah, so I get. Give it an eight point five. Okay, all right. I would say, yeah, an eight, solid. Um, there were some awesome moments, um, but there was also some some disappointments um, as well. But also, having gone so long without fans, um, and me and Heather talked about this. There's something about fans being there that gives an energy to it, like any sport, not just wrestling, but it's like any sport, Uh, fighting, hockey, football, baseball, basketball, doesn't matter. Having fans there, it it amps it up. Um, Well, I'll tell you right now, James, I, you know, I'm not the the wrestling guy anymore. Right. That's why that's why we have you and Heather. Mm -hmm. But. Every sport benefits from having fans in the seats, but mm-hmm. right. But I don't think there's an athletic competition quite like professional wrestling that depends on fans in the seats, right? Correct. Because you need the pop, whether you're the bad guy or the good guy, right? The pop is where it's at. Whether you're the bad guy, you know, like for me, like when Rock was just a total douchebag, nothing beat when he would just start going off and you just heard the booze rain down on him and you see Dwayne Johnson, the man, the myth, the legend himself just basking in it. Right. Like that, that's worth it right there. You know what I mean? Like it's, I think professional wrestling among all our athletic competitions, um, they need the fans. Yeah. You know, they, they need the fans. This isn't like, it's cool to have fans there, right? They need it. Like it adds something to the show. 
I, I would say leading up to um, WrestleMania, uh, I had the week off before because um, I'm burning leave days. And so I was at home watching past WrestleManias and I was thinking about how much I missed fans. And I I watched last year's and I was like, there's just something different. And it, it, it is what it is. You know, it's where we are in this world. But a WrestleMania without fans try as they might is not a WrestleMania and having even, you know, a third of the fans that could be there meant a lot to me as a fan. Um, cause fans watching need fans. You need to like, feel like you're cheering for the same thing as everybody else. Yeah. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to throw up the yes chant and throw my fingers up in the air. I want the rest. I want to be doing that with that crowd because like, yeah, right now I can't afford tickets to WrestleMania, but when I'm throwing up the yes and Daniel Bryant's coming down, I feel like I'm there and that that's why fans need to be back. And I'm glad they are. And even though these, some dumb motherfuckers weren't wearing masks, I'm way too close. And, but I, hopefully soon we get back to having fans in every sport because we need that. Yeah, I just want us to do it safely, I think. I, you know, I agree. I, I, yeah. I think that's the most important thing is let's, let's do it safely. Um, let's not, uh, you know, rush to fill up stadiums quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like the idea of pods, um, mm-hmm. you know, and by I don't know how they did it at WrestleMania, but like say you and 60 of your buddies go, you know, you have seven seats there. Right. And then you have spacing around it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And in stadiums that big, like even if they're only a third full, you can still have good spacing, you know, like that, that's that's what I'm hoping to see. But for me, after what Goodell put out, what a lot of the NFL owners are putting out, I think they're just going to rush to fill up stadiums um, and ignore thing what like Major League Baseball and the NBA are doing right now. Um, but that's just me. Uh, be safe. Like, let's be safe. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that. It doesn't end the podcast, listeners. Um, that ends the fun part because we're going to get into something a little more serious. Um, and I don't know if any of you have been paying attention, but in late March, the Tennessee governor signed a bill that essentially says transgender kids can no longer play sports in the state of Tennessee. Um, in Florida. As did Arkansas. Yeah. And what that was, yeah, that was struck down by the governor and then they overrode the veto. Um, But Florida's GOP controlled house passes an anti-trans bill targeting young athletes. Um, And this isn't just a, all right, this isn't just a uh, trans children cannot play in sports. Um, This is a violation of a child's privacy because Say your trans child is playing on team A. If team B, the coach says, I think your kid uh, is transgendered, at that point, the parent is on the hook for genetic testing. And they also have the option of literally making your child expose their genitals to, to a stranger so it can be confirmed what sex they were born as. Um, for me, fuck you, state of Florida. Like, fuck you all day long for this one. Um, because I'm going to tell you right now, if Ron DeSantis signs this bill into law, 
because that's still up for debate. Um, and my child is in Florida and you expect me to stand by and let that happen. There's going to be a fucking murder. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it, it reeks of what happened. Uh, and if I butcher her name, just please forgive me of, uh, Castor Semenya. Yeah. In the Olympics where she essentially had to do the exact same thing. Yep. And um, it is, listen, if I would probably suggest if you have a differing opinion of this to just skip towards the end, um, yes. because um, I feel like um, Mac and I are just going to be preaching, preaching to the choir for <laughs> for this yeah. between the two of us. Um, and if you have a differing opinion, that's fine. That's your opinion. We, we do respect a, a difference of opinions on this podcast. That's true. Um, so I just, I want to preface with that. Um, but I think, and of course, <sighs> But I think with this bill, they are hiding behind, oh, we need to protect women in this. We need to protect the, the female athletes for this. And I, it reeks of the misconception of like the bathroom bill in North Carolina. Yeah. Where, you know, oh, you know, well, what if. What if some, you know, trans, what if some pedophile goes in uh, into the women's bathroom? Okay, that's not usually how that works yeah. at all. Yeah. And it's actually a lot more likely for a pedophile, one, to be a male, and two, to go into the men's bathroom. Yeah. That is a fact. There are yeah. statistics that support that fact. And it, it's also statistically factual that um, there are fewer amounts of transgendered people that are accused of crimes like that as well. Uh, exactly. You know, like, come on, let's let's back off this morality tale. Um, it, yeah, exactly. It's because it's not. It, it truly comes off of it, of a fear. It comes off of fear. Um. And I, mean, I, I, I am argue, aware. I am aware. I would. I would even argue it's not even fear. It's ignorance. It's a one hundred percent ignorance. True. And here's the thing. And here's the thing. Yes, I am aware that boys are that that males are physiologically different from females. I am aware of that. But a lot of times with trans kids you have a lot of them that are taking hormone replacement things so they are changing their physiology to be more like what they feel like they are yeah i mean so and, and i don't all, feel like all, that's that's i don't feel like that's necessarily a fair argument to make it, because it's not it's not, Heather, because just a few months ago in Texas, there is a young lady. Excuse me. I, I don't, didn't mean to misgender him, but they were making the transition to fe from female to male. And she, you know, he's a wrestler and he mm -hmm. was dominating his weight class. 
and and conservative dickheads from Texas put pictures of that up like that was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Trying to to stop him from competing when he was dominating his weight class, mm-hmm. but because he was trans, somehow that was a bad thing. You know, they, they he yeah they, he was violating the the sanctity of sport. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, and the NCAA said earlier this month that it unequivocally supports transgender student athletes. Oh. Oh, I've got I got I got something to say about that, but I'm, I'm not oh, going to go cut ahead. You off again. No, 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 no. Go ahead. And which is funny because how many institutions in the NCAA, uh, meaning private Christian-run universities and colleges, do not allow transgendered athletes? How many? Well, well, not only that. I mean, we saw how it fucking treated female athletes. Exactly. So it, that that's more bullshit lip service from the spineless jellyfish that is Mark Emmert and the NCAA. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I just for me personally, I think it's just fucking bullshit because I just feel like you are denying kids an opportunity to be successful at something that they're good at because you want to be willful, willfully ignorant to what they are going through. Yeah. I mean, that for me, Heather, as a parent. That's how I feel about it. My kids, regardless of their choices, like if if either of my kids said, dad, I'm not comfortable in my skin and I want to transition, I'm going to fully support them in that Mm -hmm. endeavor. I I will do whatever it takes to make sure my kids are comfortable with who they are. Exactly. Right. And so, yeah, so I I just, I, I feel, again, as a parent, I feel like you are robbing a child a chance to a successful future doing something that they love. Yeah. Or even just being a part of something, right? Yeah. Because they already feel like fucking outsiders as it is. Yeah. So it, like, yeah, exactly. Like, God. Yeah. It, 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 it's very frustrating for me to see, uh, you know, and I am sorry, you know, I, I know this isn't politics, but Democrats aren't doing this. This is, these are Republican-controlled legislatures that are doing this to kids. Uh, you know, the, the, the ones that claim to be defenders of children, the ones that claim to be looking out for kids, excluding children from sports, okay, is a net negative overall. And it doesn't have to be a team sport. It, they could play tennis. They could play golf. They could, you know, they could play fucking badminton for all I care. But if they find themselves passionate about a sport and they want to be a part of something, then they should be allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just it's, it's just fucking. Oh, it, it, for me, it's mm. mind it's mind boggling that we, you know, for a country, right. For a country that for national defense purposes is worried about the obesity rate in young children because it could affect military recruiting. We want to prohibit children from playing sports. Well, and well, I mean, and let's think about um, Venus and Serena Williams. How many times have you heard over the course of their career that that's a man? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, especially, like, early, especially early on. Yeah, 
especially early on, because people could not fathom that a girl could be muscular and good at what she did. Right. And like kick ass and probably kick dudes asses doing things. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because Um, immediately that's what they go to. Oh, that's a dude. Yeah. Right. And it's just, it's so, it's just so fucking irritating where it's like, just, just give these kids something. Yeah. And, and Heather, you already hit the nail on the head. Some of these children feel like outsiders. They, you know, they struggle with self-image. They struggle with self-worth. And maybe, just maybe, letting them play a sport can help build their self-esteem. Maybe. Exactly. And, and for me, I wasn't a good football player. And I, and I don't mean to circle it back to, the, like, the straight white dude here. But I felt accepted when I played football, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a good feeling, especially as a fucking really goofy teenager, because let's face it, being a teenager fucking blows. Well, yeah. And that's all that's that's the only thing that teenagers really want is to feel like they're a part of something and that they're not just separate. Yeah, they want to feel accepted. And maybe Mm -hmm. again, maybe just maybe uh, them playing that sport, you know, however, uh, you know, whatever the pronoun is, maybe maybe those young men, young women, young non-binary kids would feel more accepted playing that sport. Uh, and maybe maybe they could follow their passion, like you had already alluded to. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, just maybe, they would be better off for doing so in states like Texas, excuse me, Florida, Arkansas, Mississippi, Tennessee. Um, you know, maybe they should have looked into that a little mm-hmm. more before passing bullshit legislation like this. I, I just, I, I mean, I just feel like you are robbing your state of an opportunity to cultivate incredible talent by doing this. Well, it's, it's not even just that. Maybe you're making it comfortable for young people in your state uh, to express themselves um, and I think that's more important, you know? Yeah. We, we, we like to, you know, we, we are a very, uh, me centric, uh, society in the United States and it only applies to certain people. Uh-huh. And I think that's the fucking shame. Um, yeah. Yeah. Know? So, yeah. So, um, but again, we, I am very aware and, and we, the podcast is very aware that there are others that disagree with us for for their own reasons and and their their own beliefs and that's fine because we do believe here that you know you can have your own opinion so i definitely want to make that very clear um but yeah. but you can i don't know i i guess i just feel like you know you can we can respect each other enough and care about each other enough to respect that there is a difference of opinion and that that will never change. And we can still strive together to make society a better place. Yes. Um, At that point, I'm going to shut my mouth because if you follow me on Twitter, uh, which I know most of you don't do, uh, you'll get you'll get my true <laughs> you'll get my true feelings. Yes, um, yeah. that's, but, that's where that's where his uh, soapbox soapbox gets very high. 
That's it's, right. That's what but, it. That's why there's multi, multiple floors yes. on it. But so. see, now I'm taking into account the Heather, the James, and the Tim. Uh, this mm-hmm. is not my. This is not my platform to say what I want. I'm going to be supportive of my co-hosts uh, because I love them very much. They're very near and dear to my heart. But everybody, uh, that wraps up episode 71. So guys, do you have anything to plug? I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, I would like to thank Tim for letting me fill in for him. If this is my last week as a co-host of the podcast, I had a great time and... If you liked me being on here, tweet us at Hometown Crowd and on Facebook, which there was very little comments about WrestleMania. I'm very sad about that on there, but that's okay. (laughs) It's fine. Not your thing. Not a big deal. Um, But if you want me to come back, let let us know on Facebook and the the Twitter. Um, But I do have something I want to plug. One of my old Joes um, has a sports podcast. Uh, it's called Listen Up with Sean Lehan, uh, S-E-A-N-L-E-H-A-N. Um, I was stationed with him in Germany. Good dude. Uh, former security guard for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, love okay. sports. Check him out um, on all your podcasting apps, um, Spotify, Apple Podcast, all that stuff. Um, check him out. Good dude. Love that kid. Um, glad he's doing good in life. Uh, and again, thanks for letting me be on the show. Uh, talk as much as I did about WrestleMania. Cause I, I do love wrestling. Um, and if I'm not on for a while, I'll see you guys soon. So, well, first off, James, Tim's not displacing you. You're going on a sabbatical. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. My trans, yeah. my transferring from service sabbatical. That's right. <laughs> that's right. It's, it's your, yep. it's your, um, your career transition sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. that, that's a, that's okay to have, you know? Yeah. Yep. All right, Heather, you, you want to plug anything? Um, I will actually plug. It's not necessarily a podcast, um, but my baby brother, um, who has not always had the fairest of shakes in, in this world, um, released an album not that long ago. Um, that's called uh, the name. It's his. I don't want to say band because it's just him. Like it's him playing all of the instruments. Um, but it's the manifest process, and the name of the album is "A Normal Day on the Ground, Year One." Um, like I said, he does all of the instrumentals himself. Um, every once in a while he sings. Um, but it's very kind of atmospheric, um, experimental type things. And I'm just so, just so fucking proud of him. So, uh, yeah. So if you just want kind of some music just to kind of have in the in the background to vibe to uh definitely check out the manifest process uh a normal day on the ground year one well see i'm not plugging anything after that because that's something that actually should be plugged um because i think it's rad as hell that your brother put out a whole album of him doing everything that's pretty Mm -hmm. cool Mm -hmm. Uh, but everybody if everything goes well next week tim will be back 
And Ooh. Oh, sorry. 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 <laughs> no, listen, I am sorry. so excited to just roast his ass again because I do miss that. I do miss that part yeah. of this show. I mean, and the good thing is you won't have to listen to me open up episodes anymore. So and that's a good thing because Tim is very controlled. He's very structured. He's very good at that. He is very good at that. And he does a fairly decent job of keeping this train on the tracks, which is something I'll never do. But everybody, we do take we do take the turns a little wild, but it's, you know, yeah, he's he's a pretty good conductor. So. But everybody, you can find Hotown Crowd on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash Hometown Crowd. Um, you can find us on Twitter. And if you have anything to say, go ahead and hit us up. Now, keep in mind, your boy Mac here, if you're barking at me on Facebook, I'm going to miss it. But go ahead and bark at me on Twitter. I'll catch it at that point. He'll bark. Uh, He'll bark oh, oh, I most certainly will. But everybody, I hope you have a great night and make sure you listen up as we welcome Tim back next week. And thank you for cheering with the hometown crowd. Is Bye, that, everybody. I feel like that's the first time you've actually said that since he's been away. Yeah, I, I had to throw it back to Tim in the right way. Aww. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. Thank Bye, you. Bye.